0: So today we come to this most special day. Every day is unique. Every day is special in its own way. But today is extra special. Today is one of those standout days. Today we gather together to see Christ-exalted commitment realized. Because today we get to share in the baptism of four people who are saying to all of us, who are calling out to their whole community, who are literally shouting out to the world with their actions, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a lifelong, sold out, 100% in, follower of Jesus Christ. But today, folks, we must first say that if it were not for Christmas, if it were not for Christ identifying with us, we could not identify with him. If Jesus hadn't taken that initiative, we would still be so lost. If Jesus didn't proactively step into time and space becoming man, no matter what we could have done, no matter what, we would be lost and without hope. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, to become one of us, to come to us, to redeem us, that we might receive the adoption as sons Folks, at this Christmas time, at this baptism time, we gather together to say with one heart and with one voice, thank you, Jesus, for identifying with us, for coming to us. Today, we're going to see that the birth of Jesus was predicted, proclaimed, and its purpose explained. One of the great truths about Christmas is that God wanted everyone to know that the Messiah, the Savior, was born. Christ's birth was not a secret. His birth wasn't shrouded in mystery. Christ's birth was not a surprise. God said it was going to happen hundreds of years before Jesus came. And when Jesus was born, he shouted Christ's arrival. Let's just look at a few and highlight just a few of the predictions. The first one is right there in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Right after the fall of mankind into sin, God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. God says of Eve that from her a seed, an offering, a, a certain specific child will come that will destroy Satan the very one that had just tempted them into sin. Then God continues to reveal that that very same seed to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, saying that all the world will be blessed because of this one specific seed of Abraham, this one specific offering. Then that same promise that from the Garden of Eden that goes through Abraham, goes to his offspring Isaac, and then from Isaac to Jacob. Jacob, is, by God, is renamed Israel, and then from Israel to his son Judah. In, verse, in Genesis 49.10, it says of Judah, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes, to whom it belongs, the obedience of nations is his. The Messiah would come through the line of Judah. Then in the tribe of Judah comes a prophetic promise that the Messiah would be born in the family of Jesse. And he'd be a son of King David. David was promised by God that his royal dynasty would never end. In 2 Samuel seven sixteen, God says to David, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. See, the Messiah would be that one specific seed, the forever king from King David. From the Garden of Eden to, to King David spanning thousands of years, the one promise is marching forward, still continuing to unfold. In reality, kind of the whole story of the Old Testament is the slow but steady revelation of the Messiah. What does the very first worst, in our New Testament say, Matthew 1.1 says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. See, the very first thing that Matthew does is tell us that Jesus Christ is that one seed. He is that one promised offspring. He is the Messiah. In Luke's genealogy, Jesus it goes back all the way back to Adam. Jesus is that one talked about in Genesis three fifteen. But to make sure that we get it that this Jesus is the Messiah, God gets very specific. In Micah five two, he says that the Messiah from the tribe of Judah would be born in Bethlehem. But to you, Bethlehem in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. The great prophet Isaiah says in Chapter 7, verse 14, concerning this promise, see, this one specific son, says, therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son. He should be called Emmanuel. And then in chapter 9, Isaiah says of this child, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given the government shall be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Mighty God. His name shall be called Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Over and over and over again, throughout the whole Old Testament, prediction after prediction after prediction, Jesus is proven to be the one, proven to be the Messiah, proven to be the promised seed. God could not have made it any more clear. God said Jesus' son, the second person of the Trinity, would be coming to earth. And guess what? He did. God didn't just predict the birth of Jesus. No, on that very night, oh so long ago, he proclaimed the birth of our Savior. When Jesus arrived, there was a whole host of angels proclaiming Christ's birth. Luke 2, 8-14 says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Angels angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God on the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. See, on that amazing night, the sky was filled with angels proclaiming the arrival of Jesus Christ. Upon seeing the angels, the the shepherds dropped everything to see him at once. It says, And it came to pass, and the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The angels said to one another, Let's now go into Bethlehem and, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they made haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen us, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. The angels proclaimed to them the Messiah had been born. They went and saw it, and then they proclaimed it wide and broad. Then there's Anna, Simeon, in the temple. When Jesus is presented in the temple eight days after he was born, He held them in their arms and they proclaimed right there in the temple, on the temple grounds, they proclaimed this child, this eight-day-old child, Jesus is the Messiah. Can you imagine the whole temple being stirred? Could this be the one promised seed? Then, of course, there's that miraculous star that leads the way for the Magi who had come from the east to worship the newborn King, and lo, a star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. What a stir the Magi would have caused in Jerusalem as they came to Herod! There's a new King. They followed the star. They came to the child, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. And fell down and worshiped him. The Old Testament prophesied the coming of the Messiah. And when he came, he was proclaimed with an amazing entrance. Angels and shepherds and the temple, a star and the Magi. Not only was the birth of Jesus predicted, not only was the birth of Jesus proclaimed, but so was his purpose, why he came. The angel told Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus has yet to be born, but yet his purpose clearly told. He will save his people from their sins, goes all the way back hundreds of years earlier to Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6, where the purpose of Jesus is described, the purpose of our Savior and his love, his salvation. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, we he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that was brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the purpose of Christmas. As Philippians 2 says, that Jesus came being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus came to sow identify with us, to so love us that he took our sins, he took our place, he was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus came to be born, to die, to bear the sin of mankind, your sin and my sin, but then to rise again in glorious victory three days later, victory over death and sin and hell and Satan. Oh, how he came to identify with us. But on this morning, on this baptism morning, we want to talk about how we can identify with him. If you have your scriptures with you, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. We're going to see this word baptism used as the picture of the baptism we're about ready to do. Romans chapter 6. Verses 3 and 4. The scripture says, Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, united into his death? We were buried with him, therefore, by baptism into his death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's important for us to understand the word baptism. Baptism has two meanings one is the literal meaning to immerse it speaks of water baptism the other is a symbolic meaning means to identify or to be united with when you think of the word baptism you think of two i words immerse identify so two definitions two meanings of the word baptism See, water baptism is the act of being immersed in water, but its significance in baptism is symbolic in showing that you are identified with, you are united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. See, no act on our part could ever earn our salvation. Nothing. Not even baptism. Baptism is the expression of an obedient heart. A heart that is already in a saving relationship with Christ. My little sentence that I use to kind of help me um, boil it down, baptism, into a simple truth is baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. Baptism is the outward expression of an inward faith. Baptism is a picture to, to show that you are already united with Christ because of what He has done for you. Baptism is our symbolic expression of our identification with Christ, proclaiming that he's a savior. He identified with us, and now, in baptism, we publicly identify with him. Romans six is using the term "baptism" uh, to describe how true followers of Christ are united, connected, identified with Him. You could even take out that word "baptism there in those words, verses, and put in the word united. Because that's the meaning that it's trying to get across. So today we are using the spiritual truth of Romans 6 to be pictured in water baptism. Romans says that baptism is a symbol of our unification with Christ in his death, buried with him by baptism, united in his death. And that baptism is a symbol of our unification with Christ in his resurrection. It says, so that we might walk in newness of life. Having the old self crucified and a new self alive to worship and obedience. Therefore, the symbol of our baptism today is buried with him in baptism and raised with him to new life. That's what these four are going to symbolize for us today. They are symbolically representing their faith by picturing their unification and identification with Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection through being immersed into and then raised out of the waters of baptism. They are saying that I publicly believe that Jesus did all of this for me. So now I'm going to publicly proclaim that I'm giving all myself to him. It's a joyous moment. It's also a serious moment because they are saying for all to hear, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. When Texas pastor Jim Dennison was in college, he served as a summer missionary intern in East Malaysia. While there he attended a small church at one of the church worship services, a teenage girl came forward to announce her decision to follow Christ and be baptized. During the service, Dennison noticed that some worn-out luggage there leaning against the wall of the church building. He asked his pastor about it. The pastor pointed to that teenage girl who had just been baptized and told Denison, her father said, that if she was baptized as a Christian, she could never go home again. So she brought her luggage. That's Commitment. That's baptism. That's what we're talking about, identifying with Jesus Christ because of all that he has done to identify with us. How joyous it is for us today. The antithesis of that that illustration is that the families and friends and loved ones are here cheering on and supporting and, and rejoicing in the faith of their loved ones. Folks, Jesus came, born to die, born to offer salvation, Born to give of himself, to offer us eternal life. He came for you. He he came to love you. Have you united yourself with him? Is he your Lord? Have you put the trust of your life into him? Have you transferred the ownership of your life to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, if you haven't today on this glorious Christmas celebration day and baptism day, today could be your day to take those first steps of faith and trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as your leader and forgiver. If you've never put your faith in Jesus today, what a great day to do that. To pray to Him, to accept His forgiveness, to to confess Him as your Lord, to confess your sin. Well, believer, believer, Baptism's a great time to evaluate. Are you sold out? Are you 100% in? Is that story that was told earlier of that girl, if that story was told of you, would you have brought your luggage? Can you say with that girl and with the Apostle Paul, whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. Just think about that. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. The baptism service today is a challenge to every follower of Christ to be sold out 100% in, true, obedient follower of Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father, now we have looked at your word, we've looked at your son, how it was predicted and proclaimed as purpose and how he identified with us. And now, in this baptism service, we're getting to do next how we get to publicly proclaim our identification with him. Lord, I pray for each one of us in here. If you're not a follower of Christ, so choose him today. If you are a follower of Christ, double down. It's time to get in the game, to be sold out, 100% in. Baptism is a great reminder of all that you've done for us, buried with them in baptism and raised again to new life. In Jesus' name, amen.